Is that the vigil? Oh, no, I like this, though. This is good. Praise God. Hey, can you put me a favor? Put up 1 Peter 5, 6 for me. I want to read that really quick. 1 Peter 5, 6. No, I just wanted to read it. You can take it off now. It's, uh, I'm going to use it later. I just kind of wanted to read it. Praise the Lord. I need everybody to come on in and get started. <laughs> Charlena, Sheila, Mamie, God is calling. Praise the Lord. Carl, where's my, oh, Carl's here. Praise God, Prissy's coming in the door. We are so Prissy. Come on, I'm gonna take a seat. Praise God. How are you, Prissy? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead to the restroom. That'll be good. I cut worship actually a little bit earlier because I wanted to get through. Is that okay to leave one of those lights off? Because I can do this one. Hold on. That's probably better. I don't like it when the light goes in the back there. Hey, is the coffee, is it, is it? Yes. I love Todd Rodenberg, but he doesn't know the art of coffee. <laughs> and it's so cute because we got the coffee maker back there and we changed that whole kitchen. If you would have saw that, the kitchen before, ugh. I dreaded going into the kitchen. And being that I work on the business side over this side, I wouldn't even want to use our bathrooms over here because the tile was just so depressing to me. And so Jean told me this year that we could change the flooring out. And that made me so excited because I really love our bathrooms now. You know what I mean? And I love our kitchen. And, you know, God wants, I love it. it you can turn just a little bit down, just slightly. That's good. That's perfect. Praise God. God loves a home. You know, one of the things I asked Jean when I first came in the ministry and I started growing, and I was growing a lot. And I was getting it, and it was cool, and things were happening, and I was changing. And then I remember waking up one morning and thinking, why, why, why did God do this? 
Why did God create the earth? And why did God put all this in alignment? And why? I mean, we can read from the beginning to the end. So why do we have to? Why? Why? Right? Why is this? And I'll never forget, I had asked that to Gene, and he had said to me, because all God wanted was to grow a family. So he purposely picked the earth, he picked Adam, he picked Eve, and when he saw what he created, now I want you to think about this. How many of us had been in school and done a project, and the project didn't turn out the first time we did it, and we had to like tear it down and redo it again? How many, of, how many of us have done something that we started and we just thought, oh, this isn't working? Tear it down, do it again. Tear it down, do it again. Tear it down, do it again. And that's because God is a God of excellence. Right. And God is a God of excellence. And he really developed the earth so he could create a family that he had in his heart. Because God is the spirit of love. And so the son was with him the whole time. They planned this whole thing the whole time. But because they created something that they had not lived in, that's why he eventually had to what? Send his son down. Because God would judge the earth all the time through his what? Wrath. He would give instruction. People would fail. He'd wipe out the earth. He would do these things. But he really actually had to stick to his word. I love it. The father really sticks to his word. So we know his word. He doesn't change from his word. So I loved it when he chose his son before the foundations of time that he was going to have to come down and live in this creation that they created together. Now think about that. So he came to reunite us back to the father. So the father doesn't want to be our wrath. He's our total love. He only wants to give us love. He only wants us to give us the good and perfect things. So he sent his son to know what it felt like to be us. Isn't that powerful? So now he truly is the judge. He sits at the right hand and judges all the people. Dodd. <laughs> oh, I'll get to yeah, let me, I'll get to that. That'll be good. I'll tie into that. Well, anyway, so the beautiful thing is God just wants us to develop a family, and he already knows how it feels like to live on this earth. He knew how it feels like to, you know what I mean? Pain. He already felt sin, even though he did not sin. So that's where we're only born to find out whose we are, then who we are, and then to do what he's asked us to do so we can go back home. And so that's really powerful. And it made me so excited to think that God just wants us all to be a, a family, not looking to each other in judgment but to allow Jesus to judge and work with us and help grow us up. He truly is. That's why we're called brethren. And, okay, this is why this is so awesome. In the body of when the brethren, sometimes we have to take time and we have to honor people. And the Lord shows us when to honor. I'm gonna, I just want to show people this. Saturday, I need everybody. Who's all going to be here Saturday? Is anybody going to be here Saturday? Great. I need everybody on Saturday to take some time, and I want you to meditate and pray on Zinni Hall. Zinni is Jean's wife. I know everybody knows her. And um, we just want to honor her because we just do. We just want to lift her up so she knows that she's loved. And I would like everybody to buy a card of appreciation, something, if you meditate on her, find a card and write why you appreciate her. And then what we're going to do is we're going to have a basket that's going to sit with her. And we're picking just five people to come up and just say why they appreciate her so much.
And then everybody else we're going to ask to come up and put cards in a basket so she can go home then and still read how awesome how people think of her. Do you know what I mean? So when we do that, we're doing that to lift it up. We did that for Todd. Todd... Right, because Todd was really struggling during that time, and sometimes when we just have to honor people, how do we honor people? With our love, our time, and our money, all right? And so some people, when you take the five love languages, we all receive love differently. <laughs> right, we gave you, right, we got love, right? We tried, to, we tried to hit on what will make somebody feel special. Well, he was balling at the end, so it worked, right? My whole goal for Zinni on this is she going to be balling by the end of this? This is not taped. Is this vi being videoed? Yeah, I hope she's not watching live stream. Oh, my God. Huh? Praise God. This isn't good. Did you just shut it down? Shut down live stream for a sec. Did you shut it down? Okay, good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Live stream, this doesn't get saved. Like, nobody can watch this later, right? It's live now, but you can't click on it later. Okay, great. Okay, good. Okay, so we're just praying that Zinni wasn't listening during this time. All right. Well, anyway, so one of the things we know, because she's so awesome, you know what I mean? And God, and I'm telling you from the first time I met her, it's amazing how much she has grown and changed in this ministry. So we got her Bibles with her name on it, because deep down, Jean had told us that she always wanted a Bible with her name on it, and she doesn't have them. So we, get, we didn't just do one. We did two. So I would like everybody, while we're in class today, just sign your name to one of the two first two pages of this one and also sign on this one, all right? And so, and then we're going to honor her and let her know how she's loved and how much, you know. So we, I know Charlena did that. I'll start with Sheila. And then you can pass them around after you sign them. And then we can get that accomplished. But remember, on Saturday night, bring a card and write how you, your appreciation, your thoughts, you know. Um, and remember, Jean and Zinni are the ministry. They are the ministry of Kingdom Life Ministry. So even if you've been here a short period of time, get a card being thankful about what this ministry has done because it started with them. So you're still praising and honoring her, even if you might not know her. That is still good. But um, okay, awesome. Let's pray before we get into the lesson. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we love you with our whole heart, our soul, and our body. Lord, I thank you for your word said that for those that diligently seek you, they will be rewarded in heaven. So, Lord, as we enter into this word, we invite in the Holy Spirit. We ask the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes and open up our ears and our hearts to be able to receive the word of God, the living word through Jesus. So, Lord, as you guide us through this word, Open our hearts so we can know what are you speaking to me today? Because every God is speaking a word to everybody at all times. So, Lord, I ask the Holy Spirit to generate itself to be able to receive his word. Lord, we thank you. We glorify you. We exalt your name. We honor you. Lord, we know that you are the giver of all good things. And we know that through your son, you have called us all into your miraculous light, into a place that we can grow and be loved and to love one another in this great family. So, Father, I thank you and I honor you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, as we, we didn't do much worship, so we definitely had to open up with prayer <laughs> because worship runs into prayer. When we're worshiping, we should be breaking into prayer. 
as we worship. But today we weren't really good on the worship part. We kind of had the worship going, but we weren't really. So, all right, you have it turned on now? Okay, praise God. All right, we're going to finish up today sanctification. We talked about it three times, and we're going to summarize some things that would be very good. If you can put Hebrews 2.11 up, that would be great. And just turn that volume down just slightly a little bit more, Kenrick. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Hebrews 2.11 says, For both he who is sanctified, making men holy, and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Everybody in here is a brother and sister of Christ because we all have what? One father. We have a father that sits in heaven. And he says, for both he who sanctifies, he is Jesus Christ. Jesus came to be our sanctifier. He came to this earth to be, I love it. He came to reconcile us back to the father. But he says, I first have to sanctify you. It's amazing. I don't know who I was talking to earlier today, but somebody was telling me about their daughter who is uh, 17 and how when they were younger that they um, really believed in God, had God in them and had everything. And then she says, but now she sees she's going the other way. Do you know what I mean? Like, and how could she know it and go from it? Well, just keep in mind that when we are born into a world of sin, we're born in Thessalonians says, I love this verse where he says in Thessalonians that we're born into a place where we believe in God. Everybody born believes in a God. They are already developed to believe in a God. But then there's a time when you can believe that and it can be under the word of Jesus Christ. But there's going to be a moment in your life of conversion when you truly meet the true Jesus and you know who he is. And you are feeling him grow inside of you. And you breathe with him. And there is a time of conversion that happens. But a person has to choose it. That's the difference. We can raise our kids up perfect. But they still have to go out into the world and be like a Jacob. They have to burn out their own strength. And then turn around and really choose Jesus. I love that about Sheila's testimony with her daughter. She grew up awesome understanding everything. And then now she's had her conversion where she has truly needed Jesus. She chose him freely on her own, not because she was going to be a good girl. How many times we just do something because we're just, you're a good boy and you're a good girl if you do that. Okay. Well, but when you, right. But when you choose him from your free will in your own sorrow, in your own sin, in your own helplessness, well, there is a different you, the real Jesus comes down and meets you at that time. And, you know, we have had this where we actually hear a voice and we don't even know what we just heard. And it is trying to talk to us. It's trying to tell us something because he says, now it's time for me to sanctify you unto myself. He says, I'm going to bring you unto myself so that you can hear my voice. That's when you know you have chosen him because you recognize you get up every day to seek his will, his way his purpose for your life, what he wants you to do. You are sanct. I love it. The Holy Spirit is the connector that brings us into the son who takes us right to the father. And so when we worship God, the Holy Spirit is our helper. In all our confusion, the Holy Spirit's there to help bring us up. Jesus comes, the one who sanctifies. 
He makes us holy because we're to be holy as he was holy because he came to show us the way, the truth, and the life of that holiness. And so sanctification is so important, but it is so scary at the same time. Let me tell you, I do remember when I was in college and I was sitting in a, in a hallway on the stairs and I was crying. I was crying because I had my father wanted me to quit something I was doing in college and it was belonging to a group or an organization and it was a good organization. And, um, and it was good that he said that, but I was crying. It was my senior year. And at the same time, somebody asked me to get married and I really didn't want to get married. And I really knew I didn't have to get married. Does that make sense? Do you ever know that you know that you're not supposed to do something, but you start going through that whole way? Well, in that moment, I was so broken in the stairs trying to figure it all out. Do you know what I mean? And all I just remember hearing is, you do not have to get married. I heard that. I heard it really clear. But you know what? I knew God, but I wasn't really looking for Jesus to talk to me. Do you get what I'm saying? (laughs) Remember, I didn't understand that the Holy Spirit was in me. And I remember having that feeling like knowing it, and I wanted to do it. But then I got so scared because of what everybody else was saying. My dad was telling me to do this, marry this person. Da, 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 da. I remember just, I thought I would have failed everybody if I didn't get married. So what did I do? I got married. Right. I, Rachel's from that marriage. See, God knew he wanted Rachel in the world. And the only way to make Rachel was to make her just like she is. And so that is the beautiful thing because that's really where the moment she was born, she came in this world and then everything was, I was always being pulled to be sanctified. The moment Rachel was born, he was deployed three years in a row. When was, what was God trying to do? Call me to be sanctified. When I, if I graduated college and I didn't get married, what was God doing? Trying to call me to be sanctified. There are times he knocks and he's telling you, you don't know who's talking to you, but you're kind of like in the plan. You want to be in that plan, but then you are pleasing everybody else. So I got to tell you, I know every time God tried to knock slightly and he really was trying. And there was probably somebody, but I could not what? Hear, because I was not sanctified unto him. I could believe all day long. I could have knowledge of things, but if you don't have relationship, you can't hear because you don't know who you're hearing. All right. The purpose of sanctification, like we reviewed last week, was it's a time of cultivation of holiness by the Holy Spirit and truth. So it has to be by the truth of the Spirit that draws you into the plan. It is a washing of our sinful nature and its deceptions. And remember, sinful nature is not having faith in the word you heard from God. See, when I heard I didn't have to get married, do you know he was trying to talk to me? But I could not what? Hear. I could not. I was not. I was living in a sinful nature. Sinful nature was you doing what you want to do. All right, so good. But you know what? I love this because God says, by experience, you'll know me. (laughs) By experience, you will know him. So it is a washing of our sinful nature and the deceptions of, and the deception for me was believing, oh, I wasn't going to make it unless I did what my dad told me. I wasn't going to make it unless, you know what I mean? I married this person and that was what was going to protect me. See, we believe lies when God just wants us sanctified unto him Then he starts opening the plan to us. But I love it because even in our unsanctification, he is on our plan. He's got you tagged the whole way. So that's why I don't look back. There is no, I'm going to read you something I read to the realtors this morning. There is no resentment and there is no regretting 
that you should look back to. If you know you are being called to be sanctified, and everybody sitting in a chair here has been called to this ministry to be sanctified to another measure. Everybody comes in here at a different step. And then you're supposed to go to the next step. So listening to him is going to be so important because that's why he sanctifies us. Making men holy. Cultivating the holiness with us through the Holy Spirit. So he can lead us into a total dedication to God. Hey, if you're part of a family, you are what? Dedicated. If you are married, have kids, you have parents, you are what? Dedicated. You don't get new parents. You can't trade in the kids, right? Okay, you, you have a covenant of marriage. And if you know God, and it is God, nothing's going to tear that covenant away. You've got to do the assignment of it. But that's why there's periods in our life God calls us into sanctification. You do not have to put this up there, but I want to read this really quickly. In 1 Corinthians 7.14, it says, if you want to put it up, you can put it up, Kenrick. I want to use this as a very important example. Because it doesn't make a difference where our belief level is. The goal God still has for us is the same. It says, it says, for the unbelieving husband is set apart. He is separated, withdrawn from heathen contamination and affiliate with the Christian people by union with consecrated, set-apart wife. Now, I want to think about this. That means if you're married to somebody and you have come to this revelation, what this church has to be sanctified, set apart. And you realize, wow, that person's on that plan. It already says because you're married to them that they're already covered under your separation of holiness. And that's why I love that because God says, if you're in me, I'm not going to give up on the person you have coveted. You have a covenant with whether it's a business partnership whether it's your children, whether each in, in each of you right now, there is a measure of unbelief, something you haven't experienced yet with Jesus. There's a word in here that we can read. There's words that we can read and we go, wow, can that really happen? But that doesn't mean we necessarily, I love it when we meet married couples and one gets sanctified and the other one's kind of looping around. Do you know what I mean? And you're like, but you already know he's safe. Because if you've come, it doesn't matter if you're a wife or husband, whoever comes to the revelatory knowledge of Christ first, boom, there should be a faith that kicks in because his word already says, I got the other one, what? Covered. Okay. It says, and now he flips it. The unbelieving wife is set apart and separated through the union with her, what? Consecrated husband. Now get this. We are all the bride of Christ. So you can take this now on another level. Each and every one of us, Jesus has already been sanctified back unto the Father. If we are in union with him, if we, if we actually separate ourselves with him alone, he's going to, what is he? He's going to what? He's going to do it. It said the one who calls us is faithful and he will do it. That's in Thessalonians. He will do it. But you have to recognize where's my position. Okay. If we're single, we're all married to Jesus. I'm like, there's some single in the house. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, we dominate the room, right? So we are married. We are married to Christ. We have our husband. Our husband truly sits in a high place, right? You know what I mean? We sit in the heavenly places with Christ as we sanctify ourselves unto him. Do you know the moment you're meditating on one word 
one word, one word of instruction. Every time you meditate on that, you're being risen up into the same place as Jesus. And when you get to that place of belief and trust in that word, boom, the father's ready to turn over to you and hand over to you what he has for you. And you are now sitting in the heavenly place. When I bait people that have overconquered this union, the, the unity of this type of union, those people have power because now they have already accomplished something that sits in a heavenly realm. So now they have just brought heaven on earth. So he says, otherwise, your children would be unclean, unblessed. But as it is, they are prepared for God to be pure and clean. So I'm going to tell you, you can go out there and you can meet married people and both of them can be lost. Well, praise God, because God already has it for one of them to meet their destiny. But it's always to bring another in. And it doesn't make a difference. Your kids already become cleansed once the union stays in place. And so that's awesome. But to do that, we have to be sanctified and our souls have to be renewed into understanding. Now, I love this verse because that tells me that nothing's impossible because everybody is married to somebody. Whether we're single, we're married to Christ. Whether we're married, we're married to another person. And so God expects for us to love that person like Christ loves us. So he pushes that. I love that. 1 Timothy 4, 5 says, because this is how it does it. This is what backs this up. 1 Timothy 4, 5. 1 Timothy 4, 5. For it is hollowed. I like that. Hollowed means exalted, glorified, lifted up. For it is hollowed and consecrated by the word of God. And by what? Prayer. If you, what, no matter what relationship we're in, okay, and you know that you're connected for the, for, you know what I'm saying? If you're connected in a relationship with Christ, he said, for it is hallowed. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I had to look that up when I first came here. I said that all the time. Didn't even know what that word meant. It means to glorify, to exalt, to lift up. So for it is, it is honored, it is lifted up, it is glorified and consecrated by the word of God in prayer. So that means every move of every place we increase in elevation, there's going to be a word and there's going to be a prayer because we have to still come to him in prayer. Every elevation in your life, every time you move in the process of God, Every time you come to another understanding, what pushes you up into that under understanding? The hollowed consecration of the Father and the Son with the Word of God and by prayer. You have to have both. I can't just walk the earth and not hollow the Father, glorify Him. I cannot be consecrated by the Word of God if I'm not reading the Word of God. And God's definitely not hearing me if I'm not what? Praying to him. Those are people who are walking on the earth blind, being tossed to and fro, don't know what to do, doesn't know who to listen to. But there's a time God knocks and he pulls you. And I'll tell you, how do you know he's pulled you? Because you have prayed. That means you said something. If you said something to him, man, he starts aligning you right where he wants you. 
You don't even have to know the word. Your first thing is a what? Prayer. You don't even have to glorify God. But when he hears that little sound in your heart, that tone, that he knows, I think I got her. That means they're in a circumstance that now they have prayed something. They're talking to God about something. And now he wants to draw them to the word. Consecrate them with the word. And then now, once they get that experience, what's going to happen? They are going to glorify the name of God. Because they're actually going to experience that. So it's really important for us to know that sanctification, we have a little book. And in the little book, the first thing it does is it tells us it's a little checklist. And the first checklist says, know what sanctification means. Well, we've already taught that. That means setting yourself apart unto the holiness of God and letting him teach you through the Holy Spirit, through the truth. The second step is to dedicate quality time with God. And that's what we're going to talk about that today. Dedicating our quality time with God. To dedicate quality time with God, this is a daily devotional love relationship. And the first thing it starts is, it, it should start first thing in the beginning of your day. The moment you sit up in bed, the first person you should think about is God. You know you're being consecrated and set apart with him when your mind starts wanting to seek and know more about God. The word says it should start early in the morning. All right, now, I have to tell you, when I first started seeking God, it really wasn't early in the morning at first for me. It was before I went to bed. Because the lifestyle I lived before, I could stay up late and read and do my work and do it late hours. And then I'd sleep in, you know what I mean? And I didn't worry about getting up early. But I knew something was changing in my life when I started getting up early. And I didn't even know why. I just sat there awake. Why am I awake? Right? And I learned... Oh my gosh, I'm awake because he wants me to commune with him. And then I was thinking, okay, is this just for a week? You know what I mean? Is this for a little bit? The season he had, I know, the season he had for me, the moment I started, I worship, started worshiping at night and then I'd fall asleep. And then it's like, I could be worshiping at night. I could get up at three o'clock, get up at two o'clock and I'd sit there. Okay. And, and then if I tried to go back to sleep, you know, when you just can't go back to sleep, you know, he's got something to tell you. He does. Now I feel it's different. Now I actually feel him pull me. I feel the pull. The relationship has grown greater. So we begin, or it really does. He will change it to early in the morning. So if you do commune with him in the afternoon, you commune with the night, watch it. If he wakes you up at three o'clock, I loved it after I realized that. Because now when I would meet somebody outside this ministry and they said, I just can't sleep. I wake up every morning at three. I start laughing. And, I, and now I say, that's because God wants you to talk to him. And then they laugh at me, right? <laughs> They're like, I just need sleeping pills. I was like, no, you do not need sleeping pills. Get up, commune with him, read the word. And then if you fall asleep, at least you did what you were supposed to do. How many people have gotten up and read the word? And then you fell back asleep. And before you know, you're waking up thinking about that word. That word, there is such a power in our memory that has the ability to keep talking. The Lord through the Holy Spirit talks through our soul to us. If we allow him to possess our soul, and he sounds just like his word, we have to begin with the confession of our sin and the de declarations of the promise of God. Now, I'm going to say that again. The first thing we have to do when we're dedicating quality time is begin with the confession of sin and the declarations of the promise of God. Okay, I'm gonna, here I'm going to break that down. The first thing is confession of sin. We are in a world of sin. There isn't anybody in here that 
you know, may not have said something the right way, maybe not did something the right way, we still fall into elements of sin. So one of the things that you do before you go into your prayer or your worship is you just ask the Lord to just cleanse your heart to, you know, if there's anything that I did that made me miss the mark. And if you know something specific, go ahead and be specific. But you ask the Lord and in 1 John 1, 9, he says, be bold enough to ask and say, this is what I did wrong. And he says, ask for forgiveness and I will give it to you daily. See, it's a daily thing. We should be asking for his forgiveness daily in the little things. Then it says declarations of the promise of God. Okay, now that God has made promises all to make us all whole in him. And so we should be reminding God of the things he has promised to do for us. He has called us all into his marvelous light so he can make us whole doing what he wants us to do. So if you're on the first row and you don't, and you're not even sure if God loves you, then one of your declarations of the promises of God is reminding yourself every day that God, what loves you. I mean, sometimes we have to be reminded that he loves us because I don't know, growing up in a church like I did, you believed in the wrath of God. So it's just better not to stay on that end of the room and I'll stay on this end of the room, right? Because you don't want to enter into where you're always being beat down, beat down. So sometimes in the beginning, you have to remind that God even loves you. Then when you get the Holy Spirit in you and you're on the second row learning who you are, that means what you're called to do, somewhere somebody's going to call out your gift no matter what it is. Well, then you have to declare that promise of God that if you yield to his will, he's going to make that come to pass. He's going to put you in the position and the place that you need to be because you've let him know, I know that I am yours. I am a son and daughter of God. I know that I'm going to sit in the heavenly places with Jesus. We have to remind the Lord of our declarations. All right. So the second step after you are able to confess your sin and be okay with that, knowing that the Lord has forgiven you, declaring promises of God, those are the things he shows you. He shows you certain things. I remember when Todd got one of the first words from God. It was awesome. It was in like Kings, something about establishing your family, Chronicles. He was so excited. He marked it. He knew God told him a promise right there that he was going to start developing Todd's family. He was going to start. I, I can't remember what the verse was, but. I just remember how excited you were because it was a promise to him and it made him very excited. So now he needs to confess that because that's something God showed him. But then here's the one thing that we do. We talk about communing with God in worship, prayer, and all this awesome stuff, but we don't really talk about the actual um, step of taking communion. And when I love it when I pray with Sheila, Sheila is awesome about the different oils. So when we prayed at her house last time, she took an oil and she said, okay, she took the oil and she marked her head and she marked her hands and she marked her feet and she actually, actually put on her armor of God. Oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit. And so it's a symbol. It's not something you have to do. But sometimes when we know that God used oil, and even when I taught about the sheep, oil was used to clean out the what? The bugs in the ears. So think about it. When we connect with the oil and we sanctify ourselves, you know, with our head, our hands or whatever, we're entering into a time to commune with God. And so I loved it when Sheila showed me that because we've even done it in here. Sheila, we've taken it on. And we do it. We've done it now as we pray in here for the ministry. But now we also should take communion. And part of taking communion is 
It's an institution of the Lord's prayer. The Lord brought his disciples together and he ate and communed with them at a table with bread and wine. And so sometimes, you know, it all depends on your personality. But the one thing God said in his word is to do this as often as you want to do it. He doesn't tell you to take it lightly. He tells you to take it seriously. Put up 1 Corinthians 11.23, please. Actually, you can put 23 and 24 first. 23 and 24. It says, so now remember, when we are dedicating our quality time with God, when we're starting out, it's not easy if you've never allowed yourself to be sanctified. You'll find everything else to do. I love Prissy. Prissy, when she wants to sit down and spend time with God, her little dog Noah comes up and says, hey, time to play with me. Right? You know what I mean? But when she sets an order, if you were to anoint your, you know what I mean? And then say, I'm going to take communion first, that dog's going to surrender <laughs> to the cookie. Right? It says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. So, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, you know, he did not create this to become a ritual. He did not create to become ritual. When we partake of the body of Christ is when we actually start thinking on him. And we think of when he gave himself up. And we think and we meditate on what our heart feels about that. And when we do, there's a level of understanding of the mystery of what he did do, of the power of his love that starts to immerse onto you. When you actually lift up the symbolism of the bread and you recognize that it was his body and that you're partaking of it, that you're saying you want to be one with him. That's what it's saying. It's just saying, you want to be one with him? I want to take partake of this because I know this is my body, which is broken for you. He actually, because he suffered for our sin. So when we're broken, man, when you take communion and you already asked for forgiveness of sins and you actually partake in the Lord's Supper, let me tell you, there's just something in you. He already created us to connect with that. In fact, one of the only things that you know that's solid in any church when you go in is when they take their what? Communion. Because it's the unifying thing that we all do in the body that's holy. I love it. When he tells us not to pray, you can go in the book and he already gives you what? He gives you a prayer that no matter what, you can't wear out the Father's prayer. You can't wear it out. That's a great prayer. He gives you order. He gives you instruction. He covers all the bases. When you partake of the bread, it's the same thing. You are stepping into understanding another level of him. And then it says, do this in remembrance of me. Sometimes we all have a hard time getting in a rotation or getting a If we say, hey, before I enter into this word, before I do this, I'm just going to take communion. You know what I mean? And every day will become a different revelation in what you do. So when we're in sanctification, if you are setting yourself apart to spend, to be holy unto God and you take communion every morning, when you do that, he's going to reveal himself in a greater realm to you. I mean, it's so deep. Go to verses 25 and 26, 25 and 26. He wants us to remember him. He recognized some of us in here, and we're all human. Our minds get what? Our minds get what? Distracted. Our minds get forgetful. 
Our minds get, come on, we can get assigned to something at work and forget to do it, right? Right, and we could have been told it 10 other times and we still forgot to do it, right? He, God, he said, he set this, he set this in order so that we would remember him. And he said, and this isn't a ritual, do it from your heart. He said, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it, what? In remembrance of me. He's doing it because, I love this, because I don't care if a person's never entered a church. I don't, you cannot, but you do know about communion. Because everybody, when you're born, even before your conversion, you step in somewhere where communion is taken. I don't know anybody, when you ask them that, they'll say, I didn't grow up in any church. Oh, but I did go to this church on this holiday, and they took communion. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Don't you think it's funny that he already sets these mechanisms in ourselves to be attracted to communion? We're already attracted to it because it's something that reveals higher levels in him. All right, go to verses 27 and 28. 27 and 28. Oh, you can hold on to that. Oh, I got it. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. That means it is not to be done. Don't go be going out and get your juice in your box and say, I got that off my checklist every day. I did that every day. I did that every day. Okay? When you do it, do it in remembrance of him. Don't take it lightly when you do it. And if you feel like you're just going to rush and do it, don't, you don't have to do it then. Does that make sense? Do it when you have time and you take it. And he didn't say you had to do it every day. Do it only in remembrance. And it clears your mind to receive what God has for you. Isn't that beautiful? It's awesome. Please give me verse 30 and 31. It says, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. When we take for granted that God wants to commune with us through the blood and the, the, the bread and the blood, we actually become disconnected. It says, for if, we, oh, go back to 30. For this is the reason many are what? Weak and sick among you. Now, it says in that verse before, he makes it very clear that we're not to take it and we're not to eat it in an unworthy manner. So what that means is those who don't commune with God and get one with his body and with his blood, those people are weak. They're sick. They're sick. Many sleep. That means they're not aware of the relationship they have with him. Because I'm not saying you have to get up and take communion every day. I'm saying in remembrance of him. When you want to get closer to him, read these verses, take communion. You're going to meet him. You're going to meet him in that communion. If you take it with a heart that I believe I'm going to meet you in this communion and you take it to heart and then you spend time in the word, you worship him, you pray, you're going to meet him. But if you do it unworthily, that means not really caring to get to know him. That's not really seeking him. And you're just doing it for a rotation. He says, be careful, because that is the reason many are weak and sick and many sleep. Okay, think about a person who's depressed, and they sleep all the time. They're not communing with the Lord, 
because it says when the Lord comes upon you because you've communed with him, you have an inner joy. And it's a joy that keeps you going in the world. Because he said, don't worry about the world. He said, worry about your relationship with me because I'll sustain you in the world. The world's a depressing place. People who are sick, people, I mean, it's okay. Remember the Lord already says in his word, we will get sick. But if it is not your sickness under death, it is for the glory of God. If you commune with him and you hone on it and you have a sickness and it is not your sickness under death, I will tell you 100%, if you commune one with the body and one with the blood, you will be healed. I believe that. There is no doubt in my heart. I have watched it. I believe it. I know his word does not come back void. Now, so anytime like when I, I, and don't laugh at me, I can get the simplest little cold. And when I get the cold, the first thing I ask, is this my sickness unto death? I'll know it's not my sickness unto death. But I ask him that because his word says that the only sickness that we're to obtain and hold on to would be the one unto our death. Now I'm going to give you another layer here. There's two layers of death. There's a spiritual death. And then there is a physical death. So sometimes God brings upon a sickness on us to get us to call unto him. And the moment we call unto him, he wipes that sickness away. Because there is a sickness that can be a sign for somebody who is so pulls, pushes against God, pushes against God, pushes against God. He'll bring something upon you to get your more attention. I broke my ankle. Okay. That wasn't because that wasn't because I was bad and it wasn't because I was good. It was because he wanted to put me in a what? Sanctification to really get into a deep place with him. The teaching that came out of that was incredible. All right. I wasn't, it wasn't a punishment. It was a time to be what? Sanctified in another level. And the only way he could do it would to put me on my bed where I couldn't get out and help people and do certain things. So I remember asking, what did I do wrong? And I heard nothing. I just need more of you. And when I held that and he showed me, well, I, I had a dream where he showed me my, there was something wrong with my ankle in May. I broke my ankle in October. And he said to me, will you allow me to love you in a manner that is contrary to this world so that they, and I saw Lord Tango's like that, so that they will experience a love they would have never known. And I screamed out of my bed. And then I saw my leg bleeding. I screamed out of my bed. Yes. So I said, go for it. But I didn't know I was going to break my ankle. <laughs> I saw my leg bleeding. I thought I cut myself shaving. That's what, you know, when we speak to God and he shows us things, we talk back. How many of you talk back? I talk back. I was just like, I can't get my leg to stop. I remember saying that in the dream. I can't get my leg to stop bleeding. And that's where I broke my ankle, my right leg, right where the blood was. So he already had me covering the blood. He showed me there was something going to happen in my right ankle in May, May, June, July, August, September. He showed me a good six months before he did anything to me. But I loved it because when he reminded me of that, when, before I went to surgery, I was. I had tears going down, and I just said, God, you're going to have to show me. I didn't even remember that dream at the time I broke my ankle. I said, Lord, you're going to have to show me. I'm gonna, you, you said you will, show your, you will show your saints. You will show me. And so I was just like, okay, just send me to heaven. And the poor nurse next to me, you know what she said? you don't want to die, do you? <laughs> I said, she heard me whispering. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I just want to have a heaven experience while I'm out in the surgery. But when I came out of the surgery, it was so amazing because the doctor was there holding my hand. Holding my hand. Now, come on. The orthopedic guy was holding my hand there, and he looked at me. And as I was coming to, all I heard is he kept saying, 
we're of the same body. We are one. We are of the same body. And I was just like, I was still, you know what I mean? But here, it was a surreal moment. He said, you're safe. We are of the same body. This is the orthopedic surgeon. Very unusual moment. But right then when he stopped talking, I saw the dream. It flashed right just as I saw the Lord's hand. If you will allow me to love you in a manner that is contrary to this world so that they will experience a love they would never know. Now think about this. It is contrary to think that God would put you on your bed. Do you get what I'm saying? So that means all he was asking me is to come to another level of what? Death. Because he wanted me to commune with him in another level. Isn't this awesome? Sanctification is just coming into a time when he just wants more of you. I love it. And he will rearrange your life to get you into that place where he wants, where he needs to take you next. And he makes it all. And it doesn't feel good as it does it. It feels like it's a punishment sometimes. But that's not what the plan was. It's so that it's so that other people will come to another level of where God wants you to be. My message wasn't just for me. He was just being nice enough to kind of let me know before the purpose of my time out. All right? And that's no different for any one of you. Because our love will change another person into love. And that's what he wants. Sanctification is to get ourselves out of ourselves, another measure of him, so the love can become so addicting to somebody else. They are running into their prayer room. They are running to God. They want to experience what you have experienced. But he puts us out like that so we can commune with him. Isn't it beautiful? So I just want to tell you, sickness, man, I just have such a firmness to this. I mean, even when I meet somebody and somebody tells me they're sick, I ask for them. I ask the Holy Spirit, is this their sickness unto death? And when he tells me no, do you know what I mean? Then I know, okay, that person's going to make that person's going to make it, because it says it is for the glory of God. So sometimes God has to bring us into a place just as to get us into a spiritual death, and that experience of knowing that He corrects everything, He changes everything. It's amazing when you hear stories about people who had cancer and they're healed from cancer, because God put them in that to actually mechanism to click on so that they call up to him in sanctification. I mean, and it's hard sanctification. I'll tell you, if you're really dedicated to it, especially like a single mom, because I, it, I was just me and my daughter and God will actually send people, good people. Hey, let me watch it. So you can have time with God. There, there are openings in your schedule and your movements. If you say, God, I want more of you. I want to grow in this. He starts bringing good people that are going to help you with your schedule, with your placement, with whatever you, if you, I have found in here that's been so amazing. People come into this ministry and when they know they have to be sanctified, all of a sudden their work schedules start changing. And it, it really does. If it's a time for them to get what they need to get, and then if they got what they needed, then they might go back out and get more, you know, and do something else. But he's really working on them. He tells us to examine ourselves. And when we examine ourselves and give it to him in that communion time, in that communion time, you're examining your oneness with him. When you start really reading the words about the bread and giving thanks, man, it gets deep. When you start thinking about thanking him for his blood that was shed for my sins so I could receive forgiveness, man, that's really deep. 
Because we don't think that we deserve forgiveness for our sins. We think we deserve punishment. That's what the natural body says in the mind. I should be punished. I did that. I didn't speak nice about it. I should be punished. Do you know what I mean? And you actually set yourself up where you push yourself away from God when God is using the situation for you to come closer to him by calling to him and saying, I screwed up. This isn't working. I messed this up. And then when you call unto him, and then all of a sudden he starts blessing you, and you're like a mess, a wreck, because he really loves you that much. He really loves you that much to really bring that on to you. So as we begin to learn how to confess, as we learn how to take that communion, and really know that we're trying to become one with him, his own. He said, I want you to be my own, to be of my own. Well, own does not mean possession. It means one. Own means one. The third thing, the Lord tells us to worship God through music and giving voice to praise. Now, this is one thing that challenges people all the time. So if we're... We're recognizing that the purpose of sanctification is to become one and we take our communion. Then we really do. There's a t- you, you want to start singing unto him. We do a lot of singing in here. He says the way, the true tone that he can hear, it is through song. Even says when we're in spirit, we're in what? Song. There is a song. It's amazing when you get a prayer warrior and you get a worshiper together. Explosion. Because it's got to be intermixed. Okay, your prayer can be in song. It's amazing how you get prayer and worship, and it is just so powerful because you're only going to be singing and praying out of what your spirit puts before you, and you focus on that. So worshiping through the music, now, you don't always have to have loud music and music at all times. They're actually, we have the music and the words, so we can get you to do what? Say something, right? That is the only purpose. I mean, and Jean likes it loud, and that's all good because in the beginning, people don't want to hear their what? Their own own voices. And sometimes, I love that. Right. When I first came in, I didn't want anybody to hear me sing, so I wouldn't, right? But then when I got used to the volume, I was singing because I didn't worry about who was what? Hearing me. And Jean picked strategic songs that always hallow God. He always picked the songs that glorify God, that exalt God, that lift up God's name. If you notice the music order, how do you know you put a good music playlist together? The first thing it's going to do is be praising him, all right, and glorifying his name. And then the next, it turns into, and then it turns into a praise and worship mix where you're still praising him through. And you notice these songs have the word of God in them. It all segments from the word of God. It says in spirit, is to sing in psalms and hymns. Well, songs and hymns are written from the word of God. So you're actually confessing his words, which you're declaring the promise of God in these songs. We're actually declaring the promise of God in song. And then, I love this, then the worship sets in because then you feel heaven meet, you feel your spirit, your earth hit heaven. And then anything you say, now the presence of God enters in and you are in serious worship Because it's only your spirit now worshiping God. And it's meditating to him. Now it's not about you. He already knows what things he has set for your day. So when we worship God, there's a time where whatever's being said of your spirit, it's 
you are really worshiping to him and he is calling out what he needs done for the day. It's so beautiful when people can get a grip on this. We've had people come in and challenge us about the what? I like that, right, Todd? The music. People say, you don't have to sing. You don't have to sing. You don't have to sing. Okay, you're right. You don't have to sing. Prayer does get God's ear, but worship brings his presence. So now there becomes a louder, clearer. You are actually listening to the God who created you. And so he tells us that we've got to be able to give voice. So we, how do we train people? Going through the music, having the words. We have the words up here so you can do what? Read them. We want you to be able to read them and know them. So it's so awesome. I want to read this to you. It says, listening to him. It says, in order to hear my voice, you must release all your worries into my care. So when you come in here to worship, it's not for you to just start calling up to God everything that's bad in your life. He already knows it. All right. He wants you to be calling up to him in, in love, calling to him. And he starts, there's emotions that start bubbling up and they start breaking. All right. But yet sometimes it's the circumstance that puts us in that pliable position. It says, you must release all your worries into my care and trust me to everything that concerns you. This clears the way for you to seek my face unhindered. See, this is the thing. When we start praising God, our mind is hindered with all these other bombarded thoughts. And it could be resentment. It could be fear. It could be anger. It can be all these things, but they actually start to get cycled. Then when you call, there is a time where it just hits you and you don't care about anything. All you're doing is just praising Jesus because it's already built in our body that if we will glorify and exalt his name, Jesus is going to come down and do something to you. He is going to sanctify you. He's going to draw you and he's going to change something from the head to your toe. And that's when he's sanctifying you. You're, you haven't even hit the presence yet. You just hit the change. And then if you let yourself marinate in that experience of sanctification, then the presence rests on you. can feel the tangible presence just resting on and you can't move. I don't know if everybody's hit this, but that should be your goal, to let the presence make it where you can't even move because he's doing something. Because we're always being renewed in the soul. Always. Even now, I, I can break in and worship and I may get there faster. But I, when the presence comes, I don't move. Rachel knows she comes in and she'll know it when I'm in that moment. And she will not bother me because I can't even move. Because he's doing something for me for whatever I need for the day. Do you know what I mean? And if I have a morning where I miss it, I might not be prepared or as happy for the day. Hey, I walk around with the joy, right? But then there, the days you don't see the joy on me, you have to think, where was Lee's worship? <laughs> He wants us to be in that time with him because he wants to prepare. He knows what we're going to face every day. And so now I got it. And now that's why I'm enthusiastic about people being sanctified. I joke. I've been sanctified for seven years. <laughs> Todd will laugh. Todd knows my lifestyle. I don't go out and do very much or do anything. I have, I love that time with him. I will go out when I know he is sending me out. And I have learned only go where he tells me to go because that's where I experience his presence. That's where I experience whoever he wants me to talk to. I laugh at this because last Sunday, Rachel 
we pull up in the cars and she looked at me. Now, come on. Now, you know, this is God. When Rachel turns to me and says, mom, I want to go out to dinner tonight. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll take you out to dinner. And I said, where do you want to go? And she goes, you'll never believe this, but I want to go to McDonald's. <laughs> now, anybody who knows me knows I love McDonald's. I'll go to McDonald's all the time. You can't, I mean, it's so hard to pass a McDonald's and not get something. There's just something about driving through the McDonald's. They say welcome and thank you, and I just love it, right? Okay. Well, Rachel cannot stand that I like McDonald's. Never has. Can't stand it. She loved it when I broke my ankle. I had no McDonald's for three months. She wasn't going to bring it to me, and I couldn't get to it. So there was no McDonald's in my life. In fact, it was funny because Jean asked Francis, so how's it going? Is everything going okay with Lee out? And Francis goes, we're saving a lot of money by not spending it on McDonald's. So that's, what, that's how bad my, I love McDonald's. So Rachel to say, you'll never believe this, Mom, but I want you to take me to McDonald's for dinner. Ah, I turned around. I was like, are you serious? You know I'm going to tell everybody at church about this, right? So she gets in the car. We go to McDonald's. And a man comes in. We're eating. And then I knew. Man comes in with these things on his arms. And he was born with... Um, he was born, he can't walk because of um, polio. Um, yeah, I mean, like, he's very deformed. But let me tell you, he was born like that. He's got this whole walker thing dragging his legs. He was so strong in the arms. He's 50 years old. And I saw him, and I heard the voice of the Lord. Go pray for him. And I was like, okay. So I waited and watched before I approached. Do you know what I mean? And then it was burning me up so bad, I had to get up. He was going to the door. I opened the door for him, and I put my arm around him. And I said, let me get the door for you. Are you okay? And he's like, no, I got this. I've been like this my whole life. He told me he was born with it. I said, that's cool. That's cool. I said, praise God. I said, praise God. And he looked our eyes locked like you would never believe. His blue eyes locked on my eyes, and we firmly stood there with no words. Our eyes were doing all the communication. It was, it was, I was like, this is why we went to McDonald's <laughs> because my little Rachel, I am telling you, that girl's got a little meter in here. She knows where to send me. She does it all the time. Man, when Rachel's like, we're, we're going to do this, you have to, if she is, I have to do it. I do that with Todd. If Todd tells me I have to do it, I know it's sending me somewhere because God has him elevated in us. He will use us if we'll go, but he's, God is so smart. He knew he was going to have to make it at McDonald's. You know what I mean? That's how much he loves us. He still puts it in the realm that we get it. Well, let me tell you something. This woman comes out of the car, his wife yelling. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I was like thinking, okay, the check is when our eyes met. That man was saved. He wasn't lost. Second, the enemy comes saying, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I said, we're talking about Jesus Christ. We know Jesus. Don't judge us. <laughs> it was so awesome. I was like, God is in this because the enemy, it runs up to you, but yet it has to submit to you. So I said, yes. Oh, I said, I don't judge you. I know you guys believe in Jesus. I can see it. I said, but the, I, the only thing I have to tell you is, do you know the power of his word? And she goes, we go every Sunday. I said, do you know the power of it? I said, softer. Do you know the power of his word? And she goes, what do you mean? And I said, there's a word that says, if this sickness is not unto death, then it is for God's glory to prove his word in your life. And I said, and it's in his eyes. I could see it. It was in his eyes. He was looking for the word. She said, he's been like this his whole life. I said, that's right. I said, sir, do you believe it's the sickness unto your death? 
And he said, no. I said, then I believe it's for the power of God's word to change your life. And he kept looking at me and couldn't talk. Our eyes never stopped locking. And then she took him back to the car. And I was just happy because I did my what? Assignment, which was to speak the word, the power on me and that man. And, you know, I believe when we worship Monday morning, Todd said, that was Sunday night, Todd, who doesn't talk at all during worship, (laughs) stops and says, I think we're all supposed to call something out, that God has something, and it will get done. Well, guess who I saw? The man. The man. I kept thinking, okay, God, is there anything you want me to call out? And all I kept on seeing was the man. So I called out his healing. I know that man is healed. That man is healed. I don't, I mean, he may have been in a car from another state. I know it. God doesn't bring his word back void. I can feel it. Man, when you know you know his word and God sends you to speak it, I was sitting in a heavenly place with Jesus at that moment. He was using me as a vessel to do what? Speak. But I would have never gotten there if I had not been under so many different levels of sanctification. Because in sanctification is when he actually stretches himself out in you. Okay? I love it. He starts as that little, little body. But look, Jesus stretches himself out in you so that it was clear. Go to McDonald's. It was clear. Go talk to this man. And every single order of the sign of God came in. And he didn't ask me to sit there, grab his hands, and give a long prayer. Blah, 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 blah. Right? He gave me one word. He gave me one explanation, right? All that guy had to do was go home, and you know he was empowered to think about who? Christ. And that is God. And that's where the testimonies of God are not us. It's for his glory. Because guess what that man did already? He has already been what? Praying to God. He would have never been in my alignment if he wasn't getting tired. Do you get what I'm saying? He, every person that we engage... You have already, before you walked in here, you already been talking to God. And God just aligned you in to get you where you needed to be. Every single one of us, God was, or when we met Sheila in another church, you know, in another church, right? Maybe another church brought her in here, all right? But yet, their assignment was here. And God shifts you and moves you to get you to the, and you know that hearing when you know it. That's what it's just, you know it. That doesn't mean you're surrendered to it. That's why we teach about sanctification. We teach that you have to begin the confession. You have to begin spending time in the word. You actually have to meditate on that word. I'm, I, I'm the first one to say, I don't tell anybody to just go and believe in a word I tell you because the Lord showed me in the word. He showed me this in the word where it says, I'm going to read this. You'll love this, Sheila. It says, those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Okay, I could spend all this time in sanctification, and I could build up all the word of God in me, and I could come and teach it, teach it, teach it, teach it, teach it. And then I see you kind of need more teaching it, teaching it. But if I... That's all I do is just give out the word without any love, and I actually do it for hire. I mean, I do it as like a paid job, okay? And I'm doing it, and I'm doing it, I'm pushing it, I'm pushing it, I'm pushing it, right? It says that the word says the hungry 
will cease to hunger. So we're to come and get teaching. There's nothing wrong with teaching. But if you don't leave here tonight and meditate or talk to God or go to the word of God and ask God, what was I supposed to get out of tonight? You will cease to hunger. Like if you just get fed all the time. Oh, come on. Let me think of another way. If you know the cafeteria is open at 12 every day, where do you go? At 12 every day, right. You don't have to work for your food because all you have to do is go to the what? Cafeteria, 12 every day. When I was in college, you didn't want to miss. Go to the cafeteria, open for these two hours. I didn't have to worry about food, did I? I didn't think about food after that. But if there was no cafeteria and I would have to work for my food and I would have to figure out where I would have to get my food, do you see how we get complacent? So we can hear the word, but if we're not going home and seeking God in a depth for the truth of the word for you, then you are ceasing from being hungry in seeking God. Sanctification actually puts us into the mode of wanting to seek him because we're hungry. And he meets us in that sanctification because he knows it's time to feed you something. I love it. Sheila's life right now has been changed since October, all up by Sal, down, all over, only because he needs her to be hungry for him. She's going to bring him something else. He doesn't want her to just relax. He wants to bring her into another elevation. He changed her whole life for it. Do you know what I mean? She recognizes it. She is, pshum, she is in sanctification, just a different type of sanctification than what Mamie and Carl went through. There are different levels of sanctification. She's going into another measure. So we have to remember our sanctification is a time for us to experience and commune with him in the body and with the blood and to let him expand himself so that you can do your next assignment. And that's where people always want to look for the exciting thing, which is great. Signs, wonders, and miracles happened all through the Bible. But that doesn't mean they kept a track on everything as they went through. Even when Philip... Healed the, healed the, or saved the eunuch. He got transported. He didn't know what happened after that. He just did what he was called to what? I don't have to see that that man is walking now. I believe that that man has been healed. And I don't have to think about it anything more because he would have never sent it. I would have, the word would have never come forth, but it's because of sanctification. Sanctification builds that level. Doesn't that make you excited to want to be sanctified? All right. What's the time check? Okay, we're ending this up. So keep in mind, we went over what sanctification means, and we talked about the dedicated quality of time with God that we need. So you are here to be accountable. We're here to help you be accountable. When somebody comes, I loved it when um, Percy says, sometimes I have a hard time because Noah, her dog, just wants to lap and lick and play with her every time she wants to spend time with God. And then you know what the word is? She has dominion over the animals. So when she gets her order, actually, it's funny that Noah's going to come and sit and be waiting to be sanctified with her. <laughs> because the moment she starts reminding the Lord that she is saying, I am, I am seeking you, God. I am diligently spending this time. You told me I have dominion over my animal. So this Noah will sit while I'm in this mode. Noah will do, you know what I'm saying? Because the moment you start, de- when the enemy hears that you're going to go in sanctification, Boom, boom, boom. Whatever you connect with, and I like it. It's a weakness, a sickness. You feel tired. He hits all that when you're not in commune with him so that you're not doing that. But I love that. But he'll ultimately do what? 
use that to bring you to where you need to be. So praise God. All right. Does anybody have any questions? Okay. I'm sorry if this was a little longer. Uh, what word do you want me to repeat? Resentment or regret. Two very strong words that is used to hold us back from thinking about God. We don't want to look back to our past. We don't want to resent any human being or any person. And we don't want to, um, what was the other one? Resent and, um, and regret. Don't look back to the things of the things that weren't right. If you have asked and confessed and asked for forgiveness, then guess what? He has forgiven you. How do you know? There's a joy that you actually believe it. So you know it. All right. Praise the Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for tonight's sonship. Lord, we thank you for honoring your word. We thank you for the truth of the word. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, the awesome gift, our helper, our counselor, the one who guides us to all truth. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the way the way that you have taken us through your light. Father, we thank you for all the wonderful things. And Lord, guide us into wanting to hear and meditate on your word this evening. Draw us into the secret place. Draw us into that place of medication, of meditation. Draw us, Lord, into the holy place where we can really know, feel, and experience you in the communion of one with your body and your blood. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.